0: Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you for the ability to worship freely as we are standing here today inside of one of these countries that's even listed on this site, Lord, that we can just gather as a fellowship, a group of believers, Lord, and just study your word, Lord, and learn more about you, Lord. We just thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we pray that these other countries, Lord, they would have the same freedoms, Lord, that you would provide a safe harbor for them, a refuge, a place of worship, Lord, a fellowship of different believers, Lord, that they could gather together, Lord, and they could share with each other, Lord, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, about you and what you're doing in each one of their lives, Lord. Lord, I just pray as I know each one of them are facing things that I couldn't even imagine, Lord. Lord, I ask for your hedge of protection around these Christians, Lord, around your sons and daughters, Lord, out there, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of them, Lord, and just give them encouragement, Lord. Know they would know that we are praying for them. We are lifting them up, Lord, in accessory prayer, Lord. So, Lord, we just ask for a blessing on these people, Lord, a blessing for your persecuted church, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen them, Lord. You would continue to provide for them, Lord. You would continue to just Pour out your Holy Spirit upon the places that they are ministering to, Lord. That your Holy Spirit, Lord, would go out, Lord, and they would be able to share with others, Lord, and that others would see them and see their strength, Lord, and see their love and see who they are in Christ, Lord. And they would look at them and they would see Your face, Lord. They would see the face of Jesus Christ, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray for you, Lord, just to bless this people, Lord, to strengthen these people, Lord, to heal these people, Lord. Let them know, Lord, that they are never alone, Lord, that you are always with them and that we are here with them, praying for them, Lord. Lord, I just praise you and I thank you for this opportunity to pray for your church, Lord. I just pray for the believers all around the world, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to lift them up in prayer, Lord. Lord, as we continue on the next few weeks, Lord, each week, Lord, I just pray that we would continue to pray each day, Lord, for your persecuted church, Lord, for your church and your your children, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Please just bless this time, Lord. And, Lord, let us know, Lord, if there's any specific things going on that we need to pray for, let us know, Lord. We thank you and praise you, Lord. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right, let's see what countries everyone had. I got Turkey. Who else? What What do you got? Okay. Nigeria. All right. I, I don't know how to pronounce this one that Stephen's got. Yeah, that one. I don't even know how to pronounce it. You got you, one of the stands. Myanmar. Oh, praise the Lord. So let's, everyone make sure and continue. To, what do you got? Lao. Let's pray for these countries every single day. Which one Vietnam because I could not say it one of them stands Okay, let's pray for these countries. What else you got Ricardo? Wow All right So this is a opportunity that we have to be reminded of the persecuted church and the things that are taking place Outside it's uh, you know, I find it amazing that we're here in Myanmar in Burma And we're gonna pray for the persecuted church. That's that's God working, right? And I, you know what, I've, since we've been here in this fellowship, I've always had a vision, not only that we will send missionaries out of this fellowship. So, I don't know, I just, I, it's amazing to me what God can do. And here we are praying for the persecuted countries of the list is the very city that we're in. So, praise the Lord, because you know what, as much as it's going on in the world right now, right now in Yangon, we are pretty free. But right around our neighbors, right around us, they're have a much, much more difficult time. So, praise the Lord. We're gonna to turn to our sermon now, but today's kind of an exciting day. I don't know if many of you follow sports. Kind of turn in the page here from persecuted church right into this. Any of you kind of sports fans? A little bit? No? Anyone watch MMA? MMA. Little boxing, little fighting? Anybody know what's happening today? Who's fighting today? Oh, even the Filipino, huh? Oh, uh, what do you, who are you gonna vote for, Salvi?
1: <laughs>
0: All right. I, the fight is actually taking place now, or has just happened. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. Right. So today, the Burmese python from Myanmar is fighting in Tokyo. Right. Huge fight. Right. A lot of people in Myanmar follow this. I actually went to one of his fights. I don't think I'll ever do that again. That was scary. Um. So. In Myanmar, this is huge, right? He's like the country, everybody's rooting for him. He's like an ambassador kind of for Myanmar, right? He's a really good guy. And so he's fighting today. Everybody's really excited. Mixed martial arts or MMA, I'm not sure what you want to call it. Now, as we get into that, that's exciting, right? Now, maybe some people like fighting, some people don't. But in, in the U.S., now, boxing is what used to be really big. Now it's MMA. But it used to be boxing was huge, so, I mean, when I was growing up, all my guys and my family, we'd have these big boxing parties where we'd get together and we'd get the pay-per-view and we had to get the special connection on the back of the TV. This is a long time ago. And you have to go down to the cable company and get the connector and screw it on the back of your TV. And then you had to return it or you'd lose your deposit. So, us men, we'd have, you know, snacks and watch boxing. This was the days of Mike Tyson and Holyfield and Evander Holyfield. And they're all long gone now. But it was a big deal, right? You'd hear the fights coming up. You'd hear about the fight card coming up, right? You'd hear who was going to be fighting. You'd hear where they're fighting, if they're fighting in New York City or Las Vegas. There'd be this big press conference, right? And the two fighters would be standing there, you know, all sweaty and strong-looking, standing face-to-face, right? I'm sure sometimes they said a few words towards each other, right? I'm going to get you. Or they'd shake hands. Maybe there'd be a little something, altercation that would sometimes happen. Maybe a little pushing, Maybe a little shoving. You know, the motions start getting fired up, ready for this huge fight, right? This boxing, when I grew up with it, now it's kind of mixed martial arts. But same thing, right? I was watching uh, the Myanmar fighter. That guy's one of the nicest guys you ever meet. I mean, you see his interviews. He's so nice. He's, like, amazing. But in the Filipino, too, I was watching some interviews on him. He's, like, oh, this, just so nice. I can't believe how nice they are. Then they go fight. But uh so these these fighters, right? They've been preparing a long time for this fight, right? And this Filipino, Myanmar, the Burmese python, preparing for nearly all their lives, right? Both physically but also mentally to go fight. They have trainers, right? you got to have a trainer because if you're a good fighter and this is a good matched fight, which like this fight should be a good matched fight. They're both really good. you got to have a plan, right? Because if you go into this fight without a plan, it's not going to go well. So you need to have a plan how to defeat your opponent in the ring, right? Now, as we've been studying the last few weeks, before I even knew about this fight coming up tonight, I saw in the scriptures the analogy, this is like a boxing match, right? It's like a fight. Jesus and the religious leaders. It's like round two, round three, round four, knockout, right? That's the way I was viewing it, right? There was... But before even before that fight, right, there's always the face-off, right? The name calling, the the chit-chat between the two of them, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you, right? So but I, I thought about the analogy and I'm like, well, it's not really boxing though, it's more like WWF. You guys know what WWF is? Wrestling. Right? You see, it's like a joke, right? It's not really real, but it's kind of fun to watch, I guess. So the wrestlers, right? They'd wrestle and then they'd tag each other, then two of them would come out, right? Because when we look at this and we look at these stories with Jesus, he keeps defeating the opponents, right? And he's gets, he's going into these different rebukes and different discussions, right? And then here comes someone else, right? They tag someone else in, and they keep coming at Jesus, right? These religious leaders keep trying to trip up Jesus in his teachings, right? So let's look back real quick at these last few teachings that we've been going over the last few weeks. We turn to Matthew twenty-one. Everyone's in Matthew chapter 21. So it started in verse 23 really. anybody there? Matthew chapter, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We got plenty of them in back if you need one. So Matthew chapter 21, verse 23 is where it started, right? What started, right? This is kind of where it began. The Pharisees, they they come up with a challenge. They're challenging. By what authority, right? Remember this? By what authority are you doing all of these things? Who gave you the right? They questioned Jesus as he's teaching in the temple, right? So I was thinking of this. It's like, this is like the finger pointing, right? Who gave you the right? This is kind of where it begins, then as you tr- keep going, we got into the parable of the two son- sons, right? Do you see that parable? Starting in verse 28. So we, we studied this parable, and in the end, Jesus, he's talking to these religious leaders, and in the end he says, you refuse to believe him and repent of your sins. That's what Jesus told them, right? Just kind of poking at them, right? And then he continues the parable of the evil farmers, right? Look at verse 33. Jesus says, and he continues through this story, and he said, and verse 41, he will put on the wicked, this is what the religious leaders said, he will put the wicked men to a horrible death and leave, lease the vineyard to others who gave him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then we know in that story later, the religious leaders begin to understand that Jesus was talking about them, right? So he's kind of pushing at them. And then we looked at the parable of the great feast, right? We looked at that. That's in chapter 22. And this one you see that Jesus actually sent his army out to destroy the murderers and burn their town. Then he continues in in verse 8, and he says, The guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Right? So he's saying all this to the religious leaders. He's like poking at them, right? He's exposing their evil motives. He's warning them. And he's also talking about, in these parables, to hold them accountable. Now, as you read these parables and these stories, I'm sure these religious leaders were not very happy after Jesus has rebuked them, after Jesus has said these things to them. I'm sure, actually, they were probably a little even humiliated before the crowds because they knew Jesus was talking about them. So now, as we pick up today we see that they are trying, these religious leaders are trying to come up with a way to destroy Jesus. In these passages, we'll see them trying to come up with a way to trap Jesus, to, to try to get Jesus to say something that would allow them to arrest him. So that's where we're going to pick up today. So today, Matthew chapter 22, verse 15, is what we're picking up today. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Right? This is like round one, right? They've been talking, talking, now it's like round one, the fight. Now, as we start here, I think we, I don't know if I've really explained it, so I thought about it. I really want to talk to you is, who are the Pharisees? I don't know. I mean, I remember asking that question. We hear it all the time, right? We hear Pharisees, we hear Sadducees, but really, who are they? Because in Jesus' time, there were several different groups of people. Um, one of them is, here as we're talking about now, is the Pharisees. And many of these different groups had different views. But there were mainly two different religious groups in the Jewish culture when it came to them. And it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, both of these groups, these two Groups belong to the Sanhedrin, and that was a governing body over the Jewish courts over Israel. So, to help you kind of better understand that, maybe a little bit, who the Sanhedrin were, and who the Sadducees were, and who the Pharisees were. So, there are two religious groups, but they both belong to the Sanhedrin, which were the governing body. Now, if you read most commentaries and you read about Pharisees, who are they? Most people, I'm not going to get into a long discussion about it, but most of them would say that Pharisees were the more liberal of the two groups. Now, today we have different groups, right, within churches, right? There's all sorts of different groups. You have Baptist, you have Pentecostal, you have Church of Christ, you have all sorts of different groups, right, within the Christian body, within the church. Um, some we would say is really liberal, some we would say is very conservative. We had this in Jesus' time, too. We had different groups, um, I'm not going to say which is wrong and which is right. But, you know, just like in Jesus' time, we have different groups today. So let's get back in the text. So we see that in this verse, the Pharisees, they have had a meeting. They've met. They've prepared. Now they have a plan and are going to try to trick up and have Jesus arrested. So let's look at verse 16. They sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Harold to meet with them. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial, and you don't play favorites. What's going on? The Pharisees, look at this. They have joined forces. They have now two against one. Two different groups against Jesus. And why were these supporters of Harold joining in. Who were they? Why are these two groups working together now? These Herodians, as they're called, they were Jewish people, but these Jewish people, they they had, had political power, and the reason they did is because they supported King Ag- Herod. This is the Roman Empire's ruler, so they actually were Jewish people that supported this, but they did this for their own political gain. So think about that. Can you imagine what the Jewish people thought of these supporters of Harold? Probably worse or the same as a tax collector, really, right? So these two groups, the Pharisees and these supporters of Harold, they had very opposing views, very different views. In fact, they probably really hated each other. But they had one thing in common, didn't they now? They both saw Jesus as a threat to their rule. So for a short time, these two groups they have set aside their differences, and now they, they together are believing that they can trap Jesus with a question. So they start this conversation with Jesus, right? They're kind of buttering him up. Have you heard that before? Jesus, you are so honest. Jesus, you, are, you teach truthfully. Jesus, you are impartial. They don't get right to the point, do they? They start with this conversation, this compliments of, to him, right? Now, they have all this small talk before they need to say what they want to say, right? This is kind of like Asia, isn't it? They do this here, right? They talk, they say all these, I'm American, so I get, if anyone would, they they, when I talk to them, sometimes they think I'm rude because I'm like right to the point, this is what I'm talking about. In Asia, they do this whole circle around small talk, you know, how's your day going? How's your kids? You know, they don't really, maybe they do, but most of the time it's just, Small talk before they get to the point. They're doing the same to Jesus, but they're really trying to warm them up a little bit to uh, before they want to ask him this question. Now, I'll tell you, for me, if anyone comes to me and starts a conversation this way, oh, Aaron, you're such a good teacher. Aaron, you're so dedicated. Oh, Aaron, you're so blessed by God. In my mind, I'm wondering what they're up to. I'm like, what do you want? Just get to the point. What do you want? Good, bad, I don't know. I mean, you know, whatever it is, it could be a good thing. But I'm thinking, what are your true motives in asking all these things and giving me all these compliments? And I think Jesus saw right through their flattery and thought the same thing, right? Let's see. Let's look at verse 17. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? There's a question, right? Everyone's present, right? Everybody's there. It's in the temple. The Pharisees are there. The Herodians, we know they're there. Uh, The Jewish and Gentile worshipers are there for the Passover festival. Uh, Jesus' disciples were there. The Sanhedrin were there. I'm sure there's some Sadducees there. There's probably even a couple zealots hanging out, right? This is is a loaded question. So they're all waiting to hear this response. I mean, you would have heard this, and you're like, what is he going to say, Right? Now, before we look at this response, I want to just take a minute and think and talk about this tax that we're talking about. Because this is what this is about. It's about the coin to pay the tax. So all the Jewish people were required to pay a tax to the Romans. Right? Now, think about it. This tax, this money that they would give the Romans, what was it used for? It was used to support the Roman officials and their soldiers. Right? That's what they used it for. So this tax we're paying for this same these soldiers... They were conquering Israel. It was paying for the soldiers to rule their own lands. The Jewish people were paying this tax to ensure their own slavery, in a sense, to Rome. How would this feel? What do you think? I I, I tell you, I don't think this went over well with the Jewish people, obviously. Right? Can you imagine paying money to have your own people enslaved? your own people rolled over, I would be enraged to pay someone who was enslaving me. This would be difficult. So let's look at the response now in verse 18. But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? So Jesus knew if he opposed the tax, right? If he opposed it, he'd be in trouble with Rome, right? He'd. Ca- this would cause the Herodians, the, the supporters of Herod to arrest him for rebellion for not paying the tax. But if he approved the tax, he would be in trouble with the Jews because they would say he was against God and against his own people. So Look at verse 19 and 20. Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Could you put yourself in that story? You imagine that? There's a crowd out there. Jesus is teaching to you. Give me a coin. Someone flips him up a coin. I mean, I see it just, you know, playing out in my mind. Flips him up a coin, catches the coin. He holds it up. Whose picture is on this coin? Whose title is stamped on it? Can you imagine that? I mean, I don't think he necessarily. I don't know. Jesus basically, as he's doing this, he's doing to these Pharisees what they were trying to do to him. He's kind of turned the table. So let's look at the answer in verse 21 and 22. Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them, and they went away. Jesus answered this question in such a way that he couldn't be arrested. Jesus used this question, which was a trick question, he used it actually to teach us all a very important lesson. This lesson of dual citizenship. Have you heard of this before? It's funny actually we have some like dual citizenship people in this congregation actually. I know a couple. But I'm talking about our citizenship of this world and our citizenship of belonging to God in this case. So we're going to look just at a few verses. Let's turn to 1 Peter 2:17. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. We're also going to look at Romans. Turn there, Romans 13, 6 and 7. Here it says, Pay your taxes too for the same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving in God and what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them, and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Our citizenship in the country or where we reside requires all of us to pay taxes. I pay taxes even here. I pay for the services and the benefits that I receive in the land that I am living. And that's biblical. We're supposed to do that. Our citizenship its true. It is in the kingdom of heaven. So because of that, we do pledge ourselves to God in our ultimate obedience to God. But also we have obligations to the lands in which we live and to the government and the God-appointed officials that are in place. So we can see, as we look at this, that this plan was not probably working out too well, right? It didn't work out too well for the Pharisees, did it? Look at the last part It says his his reply amazed them and they all went away. So this is like round one, right? I say it's like a fight round one Pharisees out So now they've tapped in someone else. I tell you this is my analogy for the wrestling, right? So, So someone else is coming in now So we're gonna look at verse 23 and see who else is coming in now verse 23 back in Matthew chapter 22 that same day Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question. Now, we know, right? The Pharisees and the Herodians, they failed, right? So now here's the Sadducees, I'm going to give it a try. It's their turn, right? Now, as we continue, we just read it there, but I, you need to remember this, that these Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe, They they believe once you died, that was it. And the reason was is because they only believed in the Pentateuch, which is Genesis through Deuteronomy. And inside of that, they they would say there was no direct teaching on resurrection. So they didn't believe in it. Now, the Pharisees, they were always arguing with Sadducees, right? They're always trying to teach them. There is resurrection. But they had never been able to convince them of that. Um, It sounds like today, right? Between the Charismatics and the Baptists, right? We go back and forth, right, all the time, right? Baptist, there's no gifts today. Charismatics, the gifts are for today. But no, there's no gifts for today, right? It hasn't changed much, has it, right? I mean, it's a little different, but it's, it's still happening, right? So now Sadducees are taking their turn at Jesus, right? They're trying to trap Jesus, and they thought they got the question. They got him trapped. There's no way he's going to get out of this question. So let's see in verses 24 through 28 this question. Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name? Well, I suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So his brother married the widow. But the second brother also died, and the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection for all seven were married to her? This actually... This was a law in Deuteronomy that the man would marry, the younger brother would marry the widow, right? And this was a law that God had set forth to protect women in that day because in that culture, they would have no other, if their husband had died, they would have no means to support themselves and their children. So that family then would adopt, you know, in marriage that widow. Now, so this was a good law, right? I mean, in the day, I mean, it was meant to really protect women, And that way they were not left without means to support them and their family. But they're kind of more than taking this out of context, right? I mean, first of all, you look at this seven times, right? This is not, they're using it as an illustration. Obviously, this is not reality of this happening. I don't imagine this would ever actually happen. I guess it's possible, but I don't think so. But they're trying to trick Jesus up with this question, right? So let's see what Jesus has to say about this. Verse 29 and 30. Jesus replied, your mistake is you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like angels in heaven. Jesus, he goes right to the point. He just tells them, explaining to them why they're wrong, right? They don't know the word of God and they don't know the power of God. This now, this rebuke that Jesus is offering these Sadducees and anyone else listening, truly, could apply to us today. It could ex- apply to the church today just as much as it applied to these people today. I believe that one of our responsibilities as a fellowship is to make sure that everyone knows the Word of God. That we study the Word of God. But we also can understand the power of God. I think it's, it's so, both are just as important. And we just talked about Baptist and the Charismatics, right? And both is usually one is really strong in the Word, one is real strong in the gifts, right? I believe we have to we have to have both. And it talks about it here. We have to be rooted in God's Word in our Bibles, but also we can know today God's resurrection power, God's miracles, God's gift from the Holy Spirit are still being present and used today just as they were in the apostles' times. So we have both. We need to have, but we we need to be within the realm of God's word in all of that. I don't know. I think this, this applies to us today just as much as it did then. So let's look at here. Verses 31 through 33. Jesus has a little bit more he wants to say to them. But now, as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read? I like that. Haven't you ever read about this in the scriptures? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. Jesus takes these Sadducees back to the scriptures that they would claim to believe, right? These are the scriptures that they would say they believed. And he proves to them through their own scriptures the power of the resurrection. It's amazing to me how he did this here. And when the crowds heard him, they were astounded at this teaching. I love it. As we look, we're going to take communion today. Um, If uh, maybe Salvi can get that ready, or but as we look back at these two questions, these two, the Pharisees' question and then the Sadducees' questions, look at them. Neither question, as we look at them, were the leaders truly seeking truth. Were they truly? They were. The only reason they asked these questions was to cause problems, to try to trick Jesus up, to have him arrested. Now, I think the problem is we even see that today sometimes. People ask us questions about deep theological questions, and sometimes it's really unfortunate they're not always seeking like, biblical truth to wonder why or seeking answers, but sometimes they're also. This happens today. So we need to use discernment, and you know, there's, when people ask questions like, like this, sometimes their motives are not always correct. I've had it happen to me. People ask me, oh, what do you think about this theology? Or what do you think about that theology? They're usually not asking because they really want to know about it. They want to have some argument with you. And it's really unfortunate. These leaders had seen Jesus. They had saw how Jesus was a threat to their positions that they held, to the power that they had in their communities. And Jesus' message was one of freedom. It was freedom from sin. It was freedom from the law. And it was freedom from death. This message... It would have removed these people's power. They were threatened by it. You know, the same as today. Many religions today, they will say things trying to hold on to their positions, right? Saying that you need them in addition to what Jesus has already did and the freedom that Jesus has already given. It's not true. Through Jesus alone and faith in him is where we receive that freedom from sin. We receive that promise of eternal life. So, as we look through these passages, we saw that... We learned as Christians, we need to honor and obey our rulers and our governments, right? It's true. Because we do have dual citizenships. We are here on earth right now, but we also are citizens in heaven. So we, we have to have respect for our earthly rulers or elected officials. We need to obey the laws of the land. We need to pay our taxes. And you know what we need to do also? We need to pray for all of those... Who are in authority. Now, all that said, first, we need to honor and obey God. That comes first. But we also can know that our governments are not our God. They're not, is God who is God. So governments, most governments, they don't enforce religion, but they should never restrict our freedom to practice who we are as Christians. I think the best citizen is one who honors his country, but worships God. It's kind of a different thing, right? There's got to be a balance there, a balance of being obedient to God first, but submitting to the rulers around us in the governments that we have. So Jesus had rebuked these Sadducees. He had educated them on their beliefs and how their beliefs were flawed and they were incorrect. Now, the reason their beliefs were incorrect, Jesus said it very quickly, is because they didn't know their Bible. They didn't understand the power of God. So it's still, this happens all the time still. People are misled by different teachings. Most of the time when people are misled by teachings is because they don't know their Bibles. It's simple. They don't understand what the Bible says and they also don't understand who, the power of God. So today we're going to look at, com, we're going to take communion. But I want to ask you a question. I waited to, to get into this. Look at verse 19 and 20 again. Look at that. It says, Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? So this coin is spoken of here. And we know the story. We know it's Caesar's face on the coin, right? We know the stamp. That's what's stamped on the coin, and therefore this this coin belongs to Caesar, according to Jesus here. So the statement is, Jesus... He presents it to us as give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God, right? It was explained to Jesus how he explained it. How do you know who the coin belongs to? How do you know? By what was on it. When you looked at the coin, you saw it was Caesar's face stamped on it. So it belonged to Caesar. They could see clearly as you see this coin, right? It was obvious. It was his face on the coin. So if we take this same idea... Of this coin. How do we... Because we saw Give to Caesar's what's Caesar's. But the other part of that was what? Give to God what is God's. So how do we know what belongs to God? If you use the same analogy as the coin. Today, as we pray and we're going to take communion, I want us to examine this. If we look at ourselves, we examine ourselves, what do we see? What do others see if they look at us? If we belong to God... Just like the coin. What do people see when they see you? What do you see? What, is st- what stamp is on you? Jesus. Jesus. It should be. And I think all of us, nobody's perfect. Most of the time, I hope you see that. You see Jesus' grace probably more than anything. <laughs> but I think this analogy that he gives us here is what belongs to God is shown. He says, you can tell this coin belongs to Caesar because of what's stamped on it. What's imprinted on this coin. Jesus should be imprinted on our lives in such a way that people would look at us and they would see Christ. It's a pretty tall order, but I do believe this is what we can see here. So we're going to take communion. If the worship team could head up and we're going to take communion, I would like to us to look at that and think about that, that coin analogy that was given there. It's a simple, it's a simple, simple thing. But what do you see when you look into your life? when you look into all the different areas of your life, when you look in, when people see you, hopefully when I'm not driving, right? Because if they see me when I'm driving, they might see something else. But overall, what do they see when they see you? Heavenly Father, as we get ready to observe this Lord's Supper, Lord, to take communion, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as we take this time, Lord, just to worship you, so what it should be, Lord. A time of worship. A time to reflect on our lives. A time to look back and see and remember the promises that you've made to us. A time to look back at the price that you've paid for each one of us on the cross. A time that we can just slow down for a minute and remember who we are in you. To remember that when we see ourselves, we were bought and paid for, Lord. We were Baptized with you. It is your Holy Spirit living in us, Lord. That we should, we belong to you. And we should see that. Others should see that. So, Lord, as we get ready to partake with this cracker, the bread, and the juice, and the wine, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would just be examining our lives and asking ourselves, Lord, do we fit that analogy? Do we see you in our lives? Do we recognize that it's you, Lord? I don't I don't want them to see me. I want them to see you. I want them to look at me as that coin and see your face. I want them to look at that look at me and see your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I know many times throughout every single day when people would look upon me, when I would talk to people, I know that's not what they always see, Lord. I'm nowhere near perfect, Lord. I fail each and every day, Lord, to represent you properly, to be your ambassador, Lord, so that people would meet me and immediately think there's something different. What is that? And it's Christ's love. I know I fail at this every single day, Lord. But Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit just to continually to feel me, to continually to give me that strength, Lord, that I would be that that beacon for you, Lord, that people would look upon each one of us, every one of us here, Lord, and they would see your face, that they would recognize You someone have the cracker, the bread. Hey, any crackers left? I think I got missed up here. There it comes. So please pray on that continue to pass out the elements here. so please join me as we partake just remember his body was broken for us his blood was shed for us and that he has promised us through this that our sins are forgiven he's promised us our eternity to be with him so please just observe this command as he has given us. Please partake. As we've taken this juice and this bread, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for what you did for us, Lord. Lord, we just pray that we would go out this week, Lord, and we would be a reflection of of you in our lives. That we could do this only through your power of your Holy Spirit living in us. I am just not capable of such a thing, Lord, to be your reflection. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that people would be drawn closer to you, Lord, through us and through this fellowship, Lord, that we would go out. We come from so many different places, so many different countries, so many different backgrounds, speaking so many different languages, Lord, that we would go out as your ambassadors. That people would look upon us they would talk to us lord and they would they'd wonder what is it about this person and they would draw them to you lord they draw them to the cross and know that this was done for them also that your blood was shed for them so Lord, i praise you and i thank you lord just please accept our worship you know our observance of communion today We just thank you for this time and this fellowship, Lord. We thank you for all of your saints gathering here today, Lord. We continue to pray for your persecuted church, Lord, as we go out this week, Lord. We just want to end this with a song, our worship to you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
1: May we request the congregation to please rise up. i come back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry love for the thing I made it and it's all about you it's all about you me back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you,
0: it's all
1: about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made, it, and it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. When the music fades, all is straight away. And I simply come home Longing just to bring Something that's a word That will bless your heart The wind